I am in a hotel right now, so my audio might sound a little different than usual, but hopefully it is still listenable. Hopefully you won't scorn us. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget, and I'm here today with the toughest researcher in the game. She is knocking on doors. She is talking to people in prison. She's making phone calls. She's talked to lawyers. She's on top of it. She's Molly. I feel like we're giving our listeners a wrong impression, but there is certainly some legal lawyers prison in this story today oh hell yeah i was gonna say how about you but that's not the right (laughs) (laughs) my brain uh in today's story we are doing nexium baby now i had not watched any of those wonderful documentaries out there. I actually had kind of avoided this story completely because I knew that we were going to cover it eventually on this podcast. Nice, nice. Fresh eyes. Do you want to tell us about your experience with Nexium? Um, yeah, I remember when this story was breaking, I was still in Chicago. So way back when there were people blogging and a lot more independent reporters on the case of like, hey, something weird's happening in Albany, New York and in Canada, and it's affecting mostly people with money. Sure. And that had my interest, right? Like everyone was reporting that is very cult-like and that it was mostly people who had certain money to spend who were being affected by this, which I'm always here for a good eat the rich story. Sure. Then I followed the story as more details were coming out. So of course, by the time the docs came out on stars and HBO, I was like, I'm watching all of this. So I've been following this for a long time. So I'm super excited that we're covering it. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, what I remember offhand, <laughs> because I feel like after the recent court stuff, which I think we'll get to later on, definitely, it's kind of some of the excitement has di- died down. Yeah, but I was interested to learn that there was things happening as recently as September. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's died down in the sense of like, I think everything we need to know about this cult for the most part or this MLM, it's already out in the open between the documentaries and the reporting that's been done on it. There could be more twists and turns, okay? There could be, but I feel like a lot has come out. Yes. At this point, it would just be like you're milking a dry cow. <laughs> I could be wrong, though. I mean, we might find out more about Keith. Who knows? So. These are the beginnings of Nexium. According to the articles that I read, 
And Bridge is going to give us more information if I miss anything important. In 1998, Nexium was founded by Keith Rainier and Nancy Salzman near Albany, New York. I'm going to probably interrupt a lot. Do you know the relationship between Keith Rainier and Nancy Salzman? No, actually, I know very little about Nancy Salzman. There wasn't really a lot about her, except for she seemed to be the alpha female. Like, that's all I could really gather. She wasn't the original alpha female. Oh. So before this, Keith was doing Amway. He was running his own scams. And he was having relationship issues. I think he was already cheating on his girlfriend. Just like typical gross stuff. And Nancy Salzman was actually the couple's therapist that his girlfriend or wife at the time had gotten. And one of the people interviewed one of the docs, I think it was whatever girlfriend or wife he was with at the time. She was like, Nancy said he was like a sociopath in those early encounters. But I guess Keith charmed her enough that she helped him create Nexium. That's gross. It kind of reminds me of the goop story, actually, not the goop sex cult, the goop actual goop, because I feel like when we talked about that, we talked about someone who was like, this person is a scam artist, and then they joined them and became a scam artist. Oh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> crazy, crazy stuff. Birds of a feather. So the initial program that so many people joined back in the early 2000s, I suppose. Well, and I should say, I believe this was going on because we're going to talk about other parts of this MLM cult thing. This is going on the entire time. This is like their indoctrination. So like even as the other stuff starts happening, this is still going on in the foreground. Right. Okay. So people enter through the Executive Success Program, which is marketed as a personal and professional development courses to help participants overcome their limiting beliefs, their fears and anxieties, and realize their full potential, which is nice and vague. I feel like maybe we should all tell people that that is also a red flag. Especially if you have to go through multiple levels and you're getting a badge for each level. It seems sus. Shouldn't your end game be like to just feel like a better person? Yeah. And I think with this, they did a lot of manipulation where they would do techniques like, I'm going to make you face your fears. Did we sort of talk about this on a different episode? I feel like. I feel like we may have talked about it on Amway a little bit, but I'm not sure. Yeah. There's like this, you're going to have to face your fears, almost like EMDR, where we're going to have you sit in a chair. We're going to talk about a time that was really traumatic for you. And then we're going to like work through it in front of a group of people. And then that will never bother you again because you've worked through it. And so those are like the type of exercises they're doing. And by overcoming your anxiety, what's causing you anxiety or triggering your anxiety, then you are becoming a more powerful person. And then you're learning that you have this power. And I think that's also part of the mind game is that you feel like you're gaining empowerment, but really they're doing control tactics that we've talked about before that are like, 
they are understanding, engaging what actually sets you off and slowly making you into a sheep. Yes, yes. There is going to be lots of psychological manipulation throughout this story. One of them is a 12-point mission statement that's read before each session. Oh, God. It is a pretty manipulative engagement during these, even during these like beginning sessions. It's creepy. It's just creepy. Uh, One of the points they read is, there are no ultimate victims. Therefore, I will choose not to be a victim. Oh, God. The Esquire article, How Nexium Seduced Hollywood Stars and America's Most Powerful Elite into a Barbaric Sex Cult, mentions that it feels like a glaring indication of deep psychological manipulation. Yeah, I would say so. Yikes. The other thing I love about this is that Keith, who started this program, the whole time everyone has to call him Vanguard, which means like he's a master or a leader, but he actually got the name Vanguard from a video game that he liked playing. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) So it wasn't even like something epic that he read. It was just like, oh, I love this game. You know what Vanguard means? That's me. (laughs) Now, this is interesting to me because he's making tons and tons of money from this executive success program. I will talk about the exact dollar amounts later on, but it's a lot of money and a lot of people go through the program. But in 2015, it's not enough for him. And he decides to create a secretive subgroup called the VOW or DOS, which stands for Dominus Obsequious Sororium or Master Over Slave Women. There's a couple different definitions of this Latin phrase. One of the other ones is Lord over the obedient female. Anyway, the point is clear. Yeah. What, what's going on? <laughs> now, before this is formed, he already has like kind of a rotating ah. set of girlfriends in the whole scenario. And one thing about him coming up with this subgroup from my understanding of it it almost seems like yes he manipulated this whole the vow and the dos because he was sleeping with these women and they had such an intricate weird cult sex den that was between them that was really small right Mm -hmm. and i'm sure it's through some sort of calculated manipulation but he gets their support to start this sure oftentimes It is the women who are initiating some of this stuff, including the infamous branding technique, which was supposedly, or I I guess it's not supposed because I think she may have testified to the fact that she actually came up with branding (laughs) because it proved that they were more loyal than just a tattoo. Allison came up with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely a huge element of the vow or the DOS in that once you get to a certain echelon, then you get this branding and the branding is Keith Rainier's and Allison Mack's initials, but in done in such a way that they tell everyone, no, this is what the symbology is, but 
members have been like, no, this is definitely your fucking initials next to their vaginas. <laughs> so they create this group, but then in 2017, some former members start asking the New York State to investigate Nexium and to focus specifically on the DOS. And by this time, there's a lot of outlets already reporting that there's issues with this group. So by the time this happens in 2017, it's like New York State is simply ignoring what's happening because there's enough reports on it. It should have been very sus. Yeah. In February of 2017, Allison Mack marries Battlestar Galactica's Nikki Klein which is supposedly orchestrated by Rainier. So Nikki, a Canadian citizen, can stay in the country. And there were reports that the people who like signed the documents knew that it wasn't real, but they were like testifying to the fact that it was a real relationship. And part of this is because Nikki would have been extradited to Canada. So Canada cannot really investigate what happened in the United States because that happened here. And since I believe the DOS mostly was centered in Albany and because Nikki is Canadian, it becomes more complicated because it's international, right? So like the United States has its own laws on who they can persecute for crimes and depending on what those crimes are, and she was like a higher up. She would have been the same level as Allison Mack or close to. But she um, ended up just being extradited back to Canada. Their marriage was declared, like you said, inauthentic. And since they have gone to court and investigate for the crimes, the only thing to happen to Nikki is that extradition, I believe. Sure. So between this story, we're going to intersperse some details about Nexium that will be comparable to details about NLMs and then similar to last week, similar to cults. One of the main ones that I saw this time around was the focus on participants focusing on their goals and dreams. They are told not to focus on the practicalities of business. It is a very coercive technique and is essential to most MLM pitches as well. And that's like what gives these things so much success because the business is so corrupt. So it's like, yes, it's a distraction of don't look at how we created a downline for you and made you open up your credit limit. And now you're in debt thousands and thousands of dollars. Instead, focus on being number one in your life. Right, exactly. It is pretty obvious when you look at the structure because the dream sessions are usually the longest part of any initial presentation. As we talked about before, most of the time, they may not even mention the name of the MLM in the first part. Recruiters are told specifically to know all of their prospects goals. So they should know exactly what you want so they can manipulate you in specific ways. Well, and it, it manipulates the recruiters too on some level. So like, I think that's part of what keeps recruiters going is that they were indoctrinated. They were like, yes, 
this fits in with all the things I want for myself. And then when it's like, oh, you get to be a recruiter. Part of that is that blind ambassadorship of like, now you, you get to make money from this and you get to help other people feel as good as you feel. Right. Right. I think they also do a technique where it's like, we talked about this with Amway, you know, like if you're feeling bad, that's your fault. Right. That's on you. As I hinted at before, you lose a lot of money when you join Nexium. <laughs> the first five day intensive course costs $2,700, which is probably why they focused on already rich people, because most normal people could not afford that. And I think that's also why they focus on actors, because even if you're a low level actor, to get into the acting business, you have to spend so much money on like certain classes just for like certain opportunities to happen. So how is this any different from taking an acting class? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. One woman named Sally Brink interviewed for the New York Times article spent $145,000 for classes over her time in Nexium. And even members who were the exploiters, I thought it was interesting, lost a lot of money because Claire Bronfman, who was the Seagram's heiress, spent more than $110 million on Nexium. And so even though she thinks that it's worth it and she's part of the upper echelon. She's actually losing a ton of money too. And that's, that's what's crazy is how much money are you worth as a Seagram's heiress? Cause it, it seems like she could just piss away a lot of money. And part of what gave Nexium their legs, I guess, to keep running was that Claire hired lawyers to keep so much paperwork. So anytime someone tried to file a claim against them, either saying like, you ripped me off or you're a cult. She has lawyers because she's worth so much money that those lawyers would basically just be paid to drown people in paperwork. So a charge could never come to fruition. She's invested a lot. (laughs) Yes. She invests the money, the lawyers, she buys property for them, and she even buys a 22-seat private jet. And she arranged a meeting for Keith Rainier to meet the Dalai Lama. And so (laughs) then they use that meeting with the Dalai Lama to help sell the cult to people. They're like, look, Vanguard met the Dalai Lama. He's the real deal. And I think part of the way was like either her or her sister was sleeping with another monk that was close to the Dalai Lama. That's so messed up. Oh, my gosh. What a story. Jeez. Oh, gosh. But I did want to just flash us back to that AARP survey I mentioned a couple weeks ago that 75% of people who participate in MLMs lose money or break even. and in MLMs, distributors are buying more product than they could possibly sell to stay active in the company or qualify for bonuses and rewards. So people are just pouring money into their MLM. And I think with this case specifically, because you're selling these classes, so you're also buying classes and retreats and 
you are living in communal situations, a lot of these people. And so your money is supposed to go back towards that communal living. There are literal pyramids in both Nexium and MLMs. So these, these members, to offset their own costs, they will recruit other members and earn a commission, very similar. And what they tell you in Nexium is that if you reach the top of Nexium, you can earn income and build a career within the organization. So that is what they're enticing you with. But also, I did want to mention the DOS part where they're literally recruiting slaves underneath them. So that, that seems pretty MLM. Yeah, there's like two two parts to this organization. So you have the like be successful in your business group, and then they're recruiting people and they're selling these classes and self-betterment. And then you have underneath that, there's these almost moles within the system that are really like, oh, but the only real way to achieve true enlightenment, especially if you're a woman, is to fuck the vanguard. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, they're like recruiting young women that they either know from classes or from the coffee shop. And in one of the docs, I talked to like local Albany people and they were just like, yeah, we kind of knew something weird was going on because they're also as they're out meeting people, some people are uprooting their lives. Like they meet them in New York city, like, Oh, you want to achieve greatness. And then getting these people to move from New York city to fucking Albany, New York. Like, Yeah. That's pretty insane. I'm that's what they say. Nikki, she gave up her role on Battlestar Galactica and moved to Albany just for the cult. So it's pretty intense. Yeah. But I did want to mention that, of course, we know that MLMs make their money far more from recruiting than selling the product. Many of the instructional videos that you'll receive when you're participating in an MLM focus on the recruitment part. In one documentary, the secrets documentary about MLM, a trainer uses the phrase RTA, recruiting is the answer. In terms of the videos... Nexium had like a videographer within their group who basically was sold on the idea that we should record everything because the world needs to know about how we're changing it and how we're like going to make the world a better place. And the filmmaker was so like bought by what the what Keith was saying that basically made all this video stuff for free that were was turning into like recruitment videos by this time too Keith is known as being like a sicko and so there's like one guy who's like constantly constantly publishing stuff about them on his website so Keith would have the filmmaker make videos to basically deal with the backlash they're getting from one guy who's publishing stuff on the website just a great use of resources here. It's not surprising if they are so embedded with acting Hollywood and stuff that there would be a filmographer who also <laughs> joins. Uh, and then the, the final point about what happens in MLMs and in Nexium is that no one actually makes good money. 
only a fraction of participants ever received income in Nexium, even though they were pressured constantly to take more courses and recruit more students. In Nexium, they continued to change the formula to make money so that no one would make money, pretty much. Well, what's interesting, too, is like, for instance, the Toronto location of this, that woman who is running that did make pretty comfortable. She's in a pretty comfortable lifestyle, but she was running the business stuff like this is business stuff. They'll help you reach your dreams. Allegedly, she joined DOS without knowing that, like once she figured out you're supposed to fuck Keith. Allegedly, that's when she was like, oh, I'm in a sex cult. (laughs) But prior to that, she was like very convinced that what she's doing is right. But she has said that she is being sued by four of her members. And it's really weird because you feel really bad that she was she was a victim of this. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, but you have to sort of feel like all that money or whatever amount of money you even do have. That's got to feel gross to have that money knowing what you know now, where that came from. I know it's just so complicated. Yeah, I would think so, too, because especially when they're making their members pretty much indentured servants to work off the debt they are incurring to take these classes. And a lot of members lost their entire life savings. So if you're making that much money off of other people you have to have some idea that there is some bad things happening outside of the sex cult part. And the people who are complaining, like if you complain about what's happening with the money or the business structure, you get iced out of this group. Like this group does the cult thing where they will ice you out. So as soon as you start saying, you know, I like the community, I like what we're doing, but what's going on with Keith? Then it's just like, okay, buddy we are no longer talking to you. Like they make it really difficult. And then kind of like what I was saying before with the lawyers, then if they try to do something legal, Claire Bronfman's there with her lawyer, just causing you to have to refile, refile claims to never actually get to a point where you can successfully sue them. So then you're also in legal debt. Yes. Oh gosh. Which is just horrifying. There's so many predatory lawyers out there. And it is really sad. Capitalism, baby. It's not great. In MLMs, out of the 25% that make money from the AARP study I referenced before, 14% make less than 5,000, 6% make between 5,000 and 999,000, 3% make between 10,000 and 24,999, and 3% make over 25,000 with 0.05 making more than 100,000. So these are not big numbers. You are not making a lot of money out of an MLM, even though it's an inference that you're going to make money. Like even if they don't say it out loud, you're going to get rich quick. People infer that you're going to get rich quick and you're not. And and if you don't, your fault. Yes. So in these, as Bridget was saying, all these stories start coming out and they're really coming to a head in 2017. So Keith Rainier flees to Mexico. Now, do you know why he goes to Mexico? No, I don't. Is there a story there? Nexium is in Mexico. So he Ah! goes to Mexico 
to stay with the Mexican Nexium folks. And I think it helps that there's like a bit of a language difference because if this guy you trust is here and your first language is not English and he's telling you what's happening in America from his perspective, I feel like it helps him seem more convincing. I can see that. Sure. So initially the Mexican Nexium is like, we're going to help you hide out. And I think that own organization though, over time, wasn't like strong enough to keep him hidden. Sure. What I read was similar to the John McAfee story. It was someone like Claire Bronfman who posted a photo of him online that eventually got him caught. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Uh, So he is arrested on March 26th of 2018 in Mexico when they find him. And then he is brought back to the United States and arraigned in a federal court in Fort Worth, Texas on March 27th. The charges are brought on July 24th of 2018 of identity theft, extortion, forced labor, sex trafficking, money laundering, wire fraud, and obstruction of justice. Besides Rainier, Salzman, Claire Bronfman, and Allison Mack are named in the charges. And Claire's sister, Sarah, is also heavily involved. I mean, they're so involved, their father actually published an article where he was like, just talked so much shit about Nexium in an attempt to give it such bad publicity, his daughters would be forced to leave, which sure didn't work. Well, I also read the interesting part about that was apparently he had actually joined Nexium first. And that's the case with a lot of these parents, right? Especially rich parents who found their kids in this cult. MLM was like, oh, I introduced my kids to it because I thought they needed the help because as a sociopathic rich person, you're like, why is my kid not a sociopath enough? But then, of course, he realized that it was a scam and a cult and got out, but his daughters stayed in. Well, I think when you have that much of your own success, the difference between being an heir and being the person who creates the wealth you probably have stronger instincts to know like when something is useful or is not useful. Whereas somebody whose wealth has been inherited, what the fuck do you know about really good business decisions? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And I I imagine that these heiresses, heirs may kind of have like an inferiority complex going on because of that as well. So these kind of mind manipulation techniques probably can work pretty strongly on someone like that. Yeah, that's a good point too. On March 12th of 2019, Nancy Salzman pleads guilty to identity theft and altering records to influence the outcome of a lawsuit, which is pretty, pretty uh, bad. It's not good, Gary. Ooh, Gary, if you're listening, it's not good. And later in March of 2019, her daughter, Lauren Salzman, also pleads guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy. So at some point, and maybe it's on again, off again, Nancy was sleeping with Keith. 
And now her daughter is embedded in this cult. It's been in this cult probably since its inception. Yeah. And her daughter grows up and sleeps with Keith Rainier. So there's also some weird, what is it, mother-daughter yes. stuff going on. Pretty bad. I can't even imagine being a mother or a parent of any type and thinking that having your child join a cult is a good idea. Another aspect of this cult or MLM is they did classes. They did two sets of classes, right? It was like how to be a man in today's society and like how to be a woman in today's society. And this kind of helped feed into the DOS stuff because the DOS was thought of like for women, you know, becoming these indentured servants or whatever, having a master and the ultimate master is Keith Rainier, but then the women under him would be considered like a master, like any woman who has women under her. So like Alison Mack would have been a master. But this other aspect of like the men and the women was very misogynistic and they're selling it as like, oh, no, this is what modern day feminism looks like. But then they would do stuff to purposefully humiliate and make the women feel like absolute trash. It's just like a whole other aspect of like these people in control. Yes, yes. I do have a section on misogyny later. Oh, lovely. On April 8th of 2019, Allison Mack pleads guilty to racketeering, racketeering, conspiracy, charges of sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, and forced labor are dropped, which I will explain a little bit later. But I just wanted to give us all the charges, the broad charges that have been brought against Nexium. Not only this, but Claire Bronfman pleads guilty to identity theft and immigration fraud. And the bookkeeper pleads guilty to visa fraud. So there is a wide variety of charges. It is a bad, bad group. Everyone is doing something. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. So even if you like dismiss any one part of it, there's just so many layers. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how Nexium got away with this, how they did this, how they accomplished their goals. And one of them is very familiar to us is targeting exploited people, which I kind of mentioned before with the heirs and the heiresses, because in one lawsuit, they claimed that recruiters were specifically looking for people who could be blackmailed, including trust fund babies and Hollywood actors. The blackmailed thing was huge because if you're in the DOS, what they would do to sort of coerce you into the branding, to coerce you into sex acts was they would make you create a video. Some people would make up lies about their family members, calling them child abusers or rapists. Some people like it was always like we need to have something on file of you telling us a terrible secret or sometimes it was like nude photos. A lot of nude photos are like, no, this is just like for blackmail. But the photos were being sent directly to Keith like Also, what makes you think that giving people things to blackmail you with is a good idea? Because it seemed like they were telling them this is for blackmail. Yeah. Or they called it collateral. It's collateral. But but I 
don't I don't get it. You prove your loyalty. It's a yeah, I think gosh. at that point you're so indoctrinated indoctrinated that you think that, oh, we're proving our loyalty. And that's so important because we're we're taught to believe that we are just without loyalty there. You know, people hurt people. So how do we know you're not going to hurt us? And when you're that deep into it, I think you will rationalize that like, oh, I should let them know that I would never hurt them. That in fact, I love them. Here's a picture of my tits and vagina. Oh my gosh, that is so insane. Because then, of course, you're afraid to leave after you've given them this blackmail stuff, which seems like an obvious uh, next step when you give someone the blackmail stuff. It's like you're burying your own grave. Yes. And as we mentioned many times, MLMs target people who are often in financial trouble. And I wanted to bring up that recently the FTC sent warnings to MLM companies. It was mostly in light of the coronavirus stuff, but they did specifically make a point to mention that these companies were warned against giving false earning claims. Just in case you haven't heard of these things before and your friend comes up to you and says, hey, why don't you join ID Life? Don't do it. Also, not uh, it works marketing or road Rodan and Fields. I can't. I've only seen it written. I've never heard it pronounced. Have you heard of Rodan? No, I I guess it's Rodan, though. I think it is. And I did want to mention also the Secrets documentary in which a recruiter named Taylor Blue explains it's all about finding people's weak points. And that sounds really horrible, but finding people's weak points, you know, if someone puts on social media, oh, I absolutely love this coat, but I haven't got enough money for it yet. There's a clue. There's a weak point. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like when you're in these these MLMs, there's a different language than what's happening. So like, oh, this is a weak point, which means I can help find them strength. Like there's a flip side of language to it that makes these people feel justified in what they're doing. And I think when they become sort of unbrainwashed, you start to see them be like, oh, fuck, this is what was actually really going on. Yeah, no, you you make a really good point because the people who buy into it really believe that these things are good. But from the outside, you could just see the the bad so easily. This one is pretty important to Nexium, their exclusivity draw, because Nexium is invitation only. Nexium recruits were required to fill out long questionnaires about their views on wealth, religion, children, and other topics. And according to lawsuits, this was to pinpoint insecurities and weed out skeptics. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely where the exclusivity comes from. It's you're only being invited in because we can fuck with your head. <laughs> Indeed. I also had seen that Dalai Lama story and it did feel a little bit like, yeah, they're using the Dalai Lama's prominence to prop up their own. And it's it's so silly, too, because they use some of the recording in one of the docs of him meeting the Dalai Lama and it was set up like as a meeting. It wasn't set up like, and the Dalai Lama is going to be a spokesperson for this. It was just like, we just want to meet. And so then like 
meets them. Nothing too weird. I mean, obviously, Keith Rainier is a total weirdo. But overall, nothing really weird happens. It's just the two of them sitting there with, like, small talk. <laughs> and then he uses that to just completely manipulate a whole, I'm sure, group of people using that video of, like, see, look, that's obviously the approval of the Dalai Lama. It's like, that's not how approval works. But I guess... Who's to say any different, though, too, unless the Dalai Lama comes out and explicitly says, I did not approve of that group. The problem was I saw that apparently the visit was initially canceled because of concerns about the group, but then it was rescheduled. So it's unfortunate. Well, and I also wonder if concerns about the group in the sense of I don't think anyone wrote a letter to the Dalai Lama that was like, hey, this group's bad. I honestly think that someone probably just looked into like a surface glance of what this group was. And then on the surface was like, this is very sus. Yeah. Especially the Dalai Lama. Like you're going to have a team of people that are trying to prevent these type of interactions. And if you're sorry, use words like we'll help empower you. All right. Dalai Lama's like, I'm out like there's in the Dalai Lama world. It's isn't it mostly like meditation. It's a lot of like inner work. And so if you're seeing something that's promoting a lot of, oh, we'll help you in an exterior way. That's already conflicting with the two ideologies. Yeah, I would also think just immediately off the bat, you'd be like twenty seven hundred dollars for enlightenment. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Like. They see that price menu and they're like, this seems not good. No. Within the group, there's also exclusivity by wearing different colored sashes to denote their ranking. Which he took from, I believe it was like Taekwondo or karate is how he got the idea for the belts. It was like, this will create a ranking system. And it's like just another way to subliminally reinforce the hierarchy and make people like, oh, I want that colored sash. It is a very explicitly MLM tie-in as well. Um, But interestingly, another point about exclusivity is that the ASP students were required to sign NDAs about the material. Seems a little extra because it's like, really? (laughs) You can't disclose what you've learned. Yeah. Anytime anyone says we need you to sign an NDA, first off, take that to a lawyer because likely your lawyer is going to tell you not to sign it and they'll tell you why. And two, really question what what it is you are hiding. Because like you said, hiding what you learned. You mean this thing that's supposed to like make you a better person and might actually help change the world. You're not allowed to talk about that. Come on. That's crazy. And many MLMs, like we mentioned on the Amway episode, making people wait to see if they qualify. Lou LaRoe on their documentary had that large amount of time where people were on wait lists to join, making it seem like this opportunity is so good. We are allowing you to join us instead of the other way around. Yeah. And, of course, because due to these kind of 
exclusivity and ranking systems, people who join are going to do everything they can for this company, including buying additional products, attending expensive meetings, all in order to keep their place in the organization. Think about prior to joining this organization, you had probably a lot of interests or hobbies, things you like to sort of invest in. And then you join this MLM thinking, oh, I'll have more time to put all the money into the boat that I wanted to or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're like giving up all your dreams that you came in with and passions to be the best recruiter, to be the best guy selling bullshit to the next dummy. Like it's just what a mind flip. Yeah, for real. Next, we'll talk about the trial and aftermath. The trial began on May 7th of 2019 in Brooklyn, and it did not take the jury long to convict Rainier guilty on all seven counts of racketeering, sex trafficking, conspiracy, forced labor, identity theft, and sexual exploitation of a child and possession of child pornography. And I think part of that child pornography was, I want to say it was pictures people had given, especially during the blackmail, because they had older teens in the group. I mean, they were manipulating a lot of parents into being like, no, don't you want your daughter to grow up okay? Yes, I imagine that was what it was, which is pretty gross. Yeah. And their lawyers should have warned them against that. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, I think, too. Once you join the group, your lawyer is the group's lawyer. So if you have issues, you get legal advice and help within the group. You wouldn't go outside of the group for any legal help. Hmm, That's a lot like HR, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I thought this was interesting to note. In August of 2020, Claire Bronfman writes a letter to her sentencing judge telling him that Nexium and Rainier greatly changed her life for the better. So gross. Yeah, she never, ever renounced the group. She still thinks that it was a good thing in her life, even though on September 30th of 2020, she is sentenced to 81 months in prison. Which is really light, and she probably won't serve any of it. Actually, what I read was, so nine Nexium victims spoke at her trial, and the judge, Nicholas G. Garofis, gave her a sentence longer than the prosecutors requested. So he was pretty harsh. I still feel like 81 months, like how many years is that? Divide that by 12. That's six years? 6.75 years. Yeah, that does not seem like a lot. And for like the amount of money she bled people and the way she manipulated them. And then because she's still very loaded and very much in air, she still has enough money to just appeal that sentencing or at least get out early or get a house arrest situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great, folks. I mean, and obviously, I think the prison system is problematic, but at the same time, someone like Claire Bronfman is just. Never going to have 
the real same terms that a common person does. Yeah. The idea that she has no remorse at all really shows that she needed she needed a much longer sentence. She needs some real rehabilitation. She yes. might need some unbrainwashing. I don't know. Deprogramming. There we go. But luckily, Keith Rainier is sentenced to 120 years or life in prison. So that's pretty strong. That's a pretty aggressive charge. Yeah. Which is amazing, I think. I mean, when I saw that charge, I was surprised that they made it so severe because he had the Bronfman support. So you would think the lawyers would have gotten him out of that. But I think he also had some classic court shenanigans stuff that sociopaths like to do. Yes. Mac is sentenced to three years in prison plus three years of supervised release and a $20,000 fine. But a couple of the articles that I read did mention that a sentence was below standard because she had provided substantial assistance to the government. So I imagine she turned on Rainier and that's why his sentence was able to be so large. She did. At her sentencing, she read an apology letter and admitted guilt. And so I think she probably did have some sort of plea deal set up. It makes a lot of sense. But it is also really helpful in those cases because I'm sure there's people like Bronfman who don't have any remorse at all. But you need those kind of inside people to really give all the details, all the sordid details to really make the judge and jury see what was wrong with the situation. Yeah. And we didn't really go into it, but I mean, just the people that they victimized. I know we were like, oh, mostly trust fund babies and people in debt, but we're talking like a lot of young people who oh yeah, don't know what the fuck they're doing with their life and then get into this group, feel like this is what you have to do to be disciplined, to be a better person because like a cult, and I think we'll get into it a little bit here, but they do all this, these control tactics and then to find out that once you get to the top, it means fucking this old dude. And by then you're so brainwashed. You think, yeah, I guess I want to fuck this old dude. Like I cannot imagine. And I, I mean, I have my own trauma, right? But <laughs> I cannot imagine that kind of trauma. Yes. And uh, another interesting thing about the sentencing stuff, a lot of people who are raising the alarm about this group were parents of the victims. Yeah. and. Oftentimes, those people were very rich. So maybe that is part of why this played out the way it did. Yeah. I mean, you had one of the mothers going on Megyn Kelly's show to do an interview, like going on the Today Show to do an interview, like to have those sort of connections to talk to people on TV about what's going on to your kid in Albany, New York. That's going to take a certain level of privilege, especially if you have Bronfman money on the other side of it. Yeah, for sure. As I mentioned at the beginning, as recently as September of this year, things were happening. Allison Max begins her sentence and Nancy Salzman is sentenced to three and a half years in prison, which does not seem like a lot either. No, no, because she's. I think she's just as bad as Keith. Like Keith had all the Amway background, 
but Nancy provided a lot of the psychological stuff. Yeah, it's bad. And so we will talk about some of that. And it starts with emotional abuse. One of the people interviewed for the New York Times article I mentioned before, Brink, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 and was told by Nexium Associates that she had given herself the disease to get her husband's attention. And instead of spending the money she had raised online for her treatment, she should make the ethical decision to die. That's fucked up. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very, very insane. Um, another member taking classes got pregnant and was told by Salzman that having a child would ruin her life and then cut off all contact with her, which is actually a benefit for her. Yeah. I mean, a uh, fucked up way. These people shutting you out like that ultimately has to be a large benefit. Yes. But then you have to deal with the flip side of that trauma of like being rejected, right. trying to figure out why you were rejected versus anyone else. But like these things, like having a baby or having cancer, it ruins that tenant you're talking about, about being a victim. Like you can't become the victim. And if having cancer, all of a sudden people are going to have to feel bad for you and feel yeah, sorry yeah. for you and take care of you. And then on top of that, you're not going to have the money or the energy to contribute to this terrible, terrible group. It's true. And I wanted to mention about how MLMs oftentimes mirror toxic relationships. Uh, same with Nexium. There's the isolation from friends and family, the verbal and emotional abuse, economic abuse, and gaslighting, which are all uh, similarities between Nexium, toxic relationships, MLMs, and cults. Yeah, the gaslighting was huge. Like this broke at a time where so many people have the text messages now, and you could yeah. see what kind of reactions you're getting written out back to you right yeah there's proof i found an interesting point about amway that i missed when we did the episode apparently amway distributors are told to consult their uplines before making any major life decisions and that's especially huge in nexium and part of the slave culture is before you decide to cut your hair for oh, if goodness. you're wondering what to wear to an event, you talk to your master first. On to the manipulation part of this. The courses, as we kind of mentioned before, they condition the students to become emotionally dependent on the system of awards and punishment. And a lot of this comes from the forensic psychiatrist, John Hodgman, who did a 2003 evaluation of the organization. He called it expansive mind control that aimed at breaking down the subjects psychologically. How they did this was through their trademarked, quote unquote, quote, rational inquiry, which is the patented Keith Rainier program or whatever it's called. Oh, that's funny. The coaches break down student self-esteem scolding them for failing, and then lift them up with positive affirmation, which leads to participants wanting more and feeling like the cult has all of the answers. Only Nexium can fix their problems. Another cult 101 thing. Indeed. 
in an MLM, it is often touted as the answer to all your problems as well. Distributors are told that they are on a global mission. And this is just not about the product distribution. It's about how the network can single-handedly be the best thing you can ever do for your children. Of course, there's the misogyny. Uh, one program specifically taught that women are sheltered from the consequences of their action by men, and thus they do not deserve equal pay. They had to quit their jobs to have children. We didn't mention this specifically, but the program has women be monogamous while men can all be polygamous. And they would also run these exercises that were like stuff that men are generally better at. So like they would have men do a plank. Oh, Jesus. And be like, hold the plank for as long as you can. And then they would have women do a plank. And then they would also humiliate women while they did these exercises and tell them like, oh, look at your form. It's terrible. And like part of the group idea was that men always feel picked on by women. So in these exercises, men were allowed to just tell women how they really feel. And oh, it would God. just turn into men berating women to their faces and making them feel absolutely horrible. That's horrifying. And the whole idea is like, this is what it's like being a man. If you can't handle it, then that's why we need men in our society. That's gross. And I, I this is a point that I read that I wasn't really sure about. So apparently all meetings with Rainier included a kiss on the mouth. Oh, he was a mouth kisser. What is, but does that mean men and women, just women? Like, what is he doing? Why is he kissing everyone? He kissed everyone on the mouth, but especially women. <sighs> okay. Mouth kisser. There's so much video of him doing the mouth people? kisses. Ew, ew. Side note, remind me to put on the social media, the mouth kissing. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Okay. Just a fun fact I read about MLMs recently. The majority of CEOs and executive boards on these companies are men, even though they are obviously pushing a very female empowerment work environment. So it's all these women who are making men rich in the end. Is that true, though, for this specific group? Because Oh, no, no. I'm just talking about MLMs in general. They, there was a study recently about the structure, the top structure of most of these companies. They're not run by women. Because I, th I think that's what gave Keith so much power in, in Nexium was that he had a lot of women at the top. Yes. So when women are being pressured into get like branding or whatever, they have other women to look at within the organization and be like, well, I guess if they all did it and they're the ones, you know, who seem to be pulling a lot of the strings in the background. Like, of course I want to be, I want to be a girl boss. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It did seem like that a lot. And that's why it's kind of surprising that these women got such light sentences because it does seem like they really were the reason why so many people got into the the worst of the worst stuff that could also show you that the sexism that just exists in our overall 
society, which is like women going to court and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I was taken advantage of, which is true. But some of those women like the Nancy Salzman's. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Fuck on. You're giving her a light term because she's right. older than middle aged and she's a woman. And she probably said she was guilty of some of those crimes. And so then you're like, well, OK, I guess we'll just give her three years. No way, man. She'd been there since 1998. Get out of here. Yeah, she really was. She gave Keith her fucking daughter. <laughs> Just to end this up, we're going to reiterate the point of the retaliation. Bridget talked about Bronfman lawyers going after people who left the cult. And they not only did that, but they also interfered with personal bankruptcy proceedings after they left. And they also gave false statements to the Canadian law enforcement in order to initiate criminal investigations into defectors. And they could do that because they had the blackmail. Yes, yes. It was very, very aggressively retaliatory. And to some of my feelings, I think that Nexium is worse than an MLM. How about you? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know because... You know, it always comes back to how much damage Amway's done. Yeah, that it's yeah. hard for me. Like Nexium's bad. They're they're all bad, man. They're all bad. It is. It's true. It's not really fair to for me to say that. I just thought it was funny how we <laughs> disagreed at the end of the last episode too. <laughs> I mean, because all of this stuff goes back to Amway. It goes back to where Amway has poured money into. Amway is the originator of this be your own boss, be entrepreneur. It's so American. Fuck the American worker because you're a boss. And that foundation permeated in all these other groups. But even like there's no way Nexium has the same kind of money that Amway does flowing in and out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now Amway in some aspects looks like you know, it looks innocent next to something as egregious as Nexium, but think about what we don't know about Amway because they have more money to quell the defectors. That's an interesting point. And also, I just want to kind of point out, like, there's obviously a lot more heavier stuff about this group, but I feel like Part of the reason why we didn't go too much into it is also because all of that exists. Like in the last couple of years, you have two docu-series you can watch. There's plenty of like news media. So I think our main focus is driving into how it's an MLM. Yes. If you want to watch those, want those sort of more <laughs> dirty details, so to speak, I would definitely recommend the HBO and the stars doc. I do think the stars doc is a little bit better because I think there's more juicier details and the HBO docuseries, the people who produced it were air quotes defectors and by defectors. I mean, they left the group pretty late in the game. So they're controlling a lot of the narrative. Interesting. Which is true with the stars one. She left really late in the game, but I think she has more, more vengeance of let me tell you what really fucking happened so the stars one's much better but thank you molly for doing all that research definitely where can people find you 
can find me at molly mmi on instagram and twitter and me as well at bridget underscore suck it and you can find sex with ghosts sex with ghost underscore you can support us by giving us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. and if you want to give us a little extra love we do have a patreon patreon.com slash sex with ghosts once we get to 20 patreon patrons we will start making swag thanks for listening bye bye